In this episode of Law More, we are pleased to welcome globetrotting corporate lawyer Ramesh Vadyanathan in a wide-ranging discussion. Ramesh talks about practicing law in his native India and the country's growing status as a world economic power. He also provides an insight into his role as president of Ally Law, the global legal services network in which Bose Cohen and Collins is a long-standing member. He speaks with our senior partner, Colin Cohen. Stay tuned. Welcome, everybody. For this episode of Laura Moore, absolutely delighted to be joined by Ramesh Vadyanathan. Ramesh is a successful corporate lawyer from India, where he is the co-managing partner of BTG Advaya. He is also president of Ali Law. That is a global legal services organization in which my firm, Bose Cohen and Collins, is a long-standing member. Ramesh, welcome to our podcast. And as I always ask my guests, what's been keeping you busy recently? Thank you, Colin. It's an absolute privilege to be joining your podcast. And I have actually listened to some of your previous editions and I found the conversations extremely engaging. So I'm totally flattered to be invited to join this podcast. And in terms of what's keeping me busy, the last few months have been two things. One is the recent merger that our firm went through where we have now become much larger. Our practice areas have expanded. We have now got a national footprint. We were earlier only in Mumbai. Now we are in Mumbai, Delhi, and Bangalore. In terms of meeting partners, and you know this, Colin, law firm business is a very personality-oriented, very individual-specific business. So merger is not easy. It's tricky because you're getting into bed with people. Um, After having spent nearly two and a half decades running your own thing. So there's a lot of flexibility expected, a lot of accommodation involved. So I'm busy with that. That's one part of my day. The other part of my day is obviously Ally Law, which is an important role. The president of a very, very prestigious law firm network. And uh, we'll probably get to speak about the network a little um, later in the call. Yes, yes, I, I definitely want to do that as well. So sure. what I'm interested in a little bit is, go. let's go back in time. How did you become a lawyer? So I grew up actually in the south of India, Colin, in a place called Kerala. Yeah. We call it God's own country. So it's Venice of the East, a lot of backwaters, a lot of greenery. So my upbringing was in a very small town. I would say probably a rural area. I had a lower middle class upbringing. I went to the local schools. I studied in the local vernacular language. So that was a great learning experience. I went to college in that small town. And then when it came to choosing a professional course, and I must be candid, I had to choose law because I couldn't get into engineering. I couldn't get into medicine. And law was like the last option. So I had to really go for it. And those days, I must tell you, there were no entrance exams. You could easily walk into a law school. So I can't really claim any credit for enrolling myself in law school. So it was more of a default option, I should say. But I did well. I qualified in law with a university rank. So I think I acquitted myself reasonably well. Joining and getting into the legal profession, you joined a a largest firm, I understand, as a junior associate in Delhi. So what happened was that in Kerala, you could not have taken up corporate law. So you had to either move to Delhi or Mumbai if you wanted to specialize in corporate law. And so that's what I did. I took a train and went to Delhi to pursue a corporate law uh, career. And and I was lucky to find a job with this law firm with uh, offices in, only in Delhi at that point in time. And the big break came for me in 2001 
when they asked me if I wanted to go and set up an office in Mumbai. And I was only four years in the profession. I had just been promoted as a partner. I was the youngest partner of the firm. And I moved to Mumbai in 2001. And suddenly I had to manage a team, set up business from scratch. And for me, Colin, that was a completely game-changing moment, the move to set up an office in Mumbai. So that was a fantastic experience. Did you enjoy the city? I did. And Mumbai is obviously a very busy Lots of firms that had a lineage going dating back to the British period. So we had firms at Mullah and Mullah, Crawford Bailey. Some of these firms were more than 100, 125 years old. So you were kind of walking into a lion's den when you were setting up in Mumbai. But I thought it was great. And also one thing I must say in favor of the city is that it's a highly accommodating and welcoming city. It gives everyone a chance. And it's probably, arguably, the most professional city in India. So I, I think I love the city. You're a commercial lawyer. You, you, were, you weren't involved in too much litigation, I understand. I did not. But those days when we were still experimenting with corporate law in India, we would probably do everything. So I did a bit of litigation, a bit of corporate law. So I thought I had a decent exposure to all aspects. But now most of my work is generally in the corporate transactional area. And I understand also for a little bit, you moved into an in-house position. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's an interesting story, Colin, because this was in 2006. And India was actually looking to privatize its airports through a private-public partnership model. And this is very prestigious because India had never done this before, as airports are monopoly businesses, right? And you're handing over the busiest airport in India, in Mumbai, to a private party. So they were looking for a lawyer as the first legal head. And I said, okay, I'll come in. It was an interesting project. And Colin, I must spend a couple of minutes telling you how interesting it was. This is developing the Mumbai airport. Now, you've been to the Mumbai airport. I've had some interesting experiences there. Sure. So imagine the busiest airport handling nearly 25 million passengers just has one runway. It's got a cross runway. So you can either have a takeoff or a landing at any given point in time. The airport land is completely encircled by slums where about 300,000 people live. So you have a situation where you cannot remove those people. You cannot acquire those lands because it's a politically sensitive issue and you have to still improve efficiencies. So the challenge was to build an airport which you cannot stop a single flight you have to build the infrastructure. And it was a fascinating experience as a lawyer just being part of this project. And did you work at the airport? Was your offices at the airport or were your offices downtown? I was at the airport and what I loved the most was the ability with very powerful pass to go inside the airport. I would not have to be frisked and I could go near the planes. I had a lot of privileges. I would have a car pick me up from the tarmac. So I just enjoyed all of that that came with the airport road. And also the best part was you could meet a lot of people because you'd have friends call in and say, listen, I'm, I have some extra time. Are you free to meet? So I would get to meet a lot of people. And I thought it's fun being at the airport. Yeah. And then I understand after a little bit of time, you then decided perhaps airplanes were enough. <laughs> you decided that to set up your own law firm. How did that come about? So the airport role was kind of plateauing because once you build an airport, then all you're doing is basically leasing all the space, your duty-free contracts, your concessions for hotels and all that stuff, advertising. So I felt this was getting into a more of an operational role. And that's when I decided, should I be going into um, 
a different in-house role or should I setting up, should I be setting up on my own or should I perhaps go into a much larger firm? And my earliest stint uh, as someone who set up the firm in Mumbai for the other firm really gave me a lot of confidence to really say, why don't I try something on my own? And I told my wife that the worst case, I'll blow up all our savings. I'll be back to square one. And then I promise you, I'll go back to a job and bring home the bread. And she said, go for it. And so I started out with Advaya Legal. This was in the year 2010. And I started with one associate. And a lot of people promised me work, but things didn't materialize. But a lot of people who I didn't expect would send me work, actually sent me work. So it all worked out fine. And most importantly, my then employer continued to give me work. So the airport became my first client. So there was then no looking back after that. I mean, I know what it's like setting up a law firm. Did you have any real difficult hurdles at the start to get your footprint known, get to know people as well? Yeah, extremely challenging because people were not sure about what kind of clients you had. From a recruitment standpoint, convincing good lawyers to join you was extremely difficult. I could only make promises and I had nothing to show in terms of work or anything other than the fact that I had run someone else's office in Mumbai. I had been in-house. So recruitment was a huge challenge. Clients was, I would say, slightly easier because I think some people who had worked with me at the airport, some of the airlines, for example, who who I had really fought with as the airport counsel, they all said, hey, this guy is now on the other side. We can probably now get him to represent us. So I was hired by all of the airlines to act for them in some matters before the tariff authority. So initially, I would say it was challenging, but it all actually fell in place over a period of time. That's interesting. Now, this is a good stepping stone into talking about when we first got to know each other. You're working in India. I mean, India is a very interesting legal system. Colonial started all off and then it developed with its own unique laws as well and the common law and et cetera, et cetera. We decided that we needed a member for Ali Law to help our listeners. It's a sort of global referral network of good law firms in all other jurisdictions. And you're now president of that august organization, of which I was at one stage. I'll come back to that. Let's talk a little bit how you came into us. Sure. This was actually maybe a couple of years into setting up my firm. And I wanted to join a network that was not too large, but had high quality firms that I could uh, hope to do work for. And that's how I came across uh, Ally Law. And I wrote to the network and I was happy to be hired. What impressed me the most, Colin, and I think you were the president at that time, was the whole rigorous process and the seriousness with which the network took recruitment. So I thought I sent all the credentials and I thought it was a done deal. And then I was informed that no, not yet. We're going to visit your firm. And we had the then UK member visit my firm in Mumbai. We have a lot of questions, not just met me, they met my colleagues. So I liked the fact that the process was extremely rigorous. And then that's how I got uh, recruited. And I think meeting you and chatting with you, I thought was also one of the reasons why I thought this made a lot of sense. So that's how it became a member of Align Law. Yeah, I mean, just to help our listeners out, I mean, we're a global network of independent law firms. I mean, everyone does our own thing. We all have our own different DNAs. We have regions from the Americas, South America, Europe, Asia, Asia Pacific, 
We have about now 70 plus firms, I think maybe more, 74, 75 law firms as of today's date. Each firm is a sort of middle to medium-sized law firms within their jurisdictions, and it, it is on referrals. So how it works is that I can say to any of my clients, so I have a difficulty on an issue in India, do not worry. I can refer you straight away and instant referrals to my good friend Ramesh and his firm who will do an excellent job for you. And it's a sort of cross-fertilization in respect of ensuring we get more and more business. And as over the time, the network has grown and grown and we've got a professional team. We have a CEO, Wendy Horn, and she's very heavily involved in our marketing, in our profiles, our website, in to ensure that we all are able to develop and get business per se as being part of this network. I'm giving you a big plug. And I mean, when I was president, I didn't have any support at the time. I had to recruit. But right now, it's your job to take it to a new level. So perhaps you can sort of tell everyone a little bit. You've been visiting about the regional meetings, what you've been doing recently for the network. Just a couple of things, uh, Colin, in addition to what you mentioned about Ally Law, I thought a uh, couple of things I wanted to mention for the benefit of the listeners. One is the rigorous client service standards, because I think that's one of the key aspects. There's an expectation that you would deliver a certain quality of service. And I think the other thing that I wanted to mention is many of our member firms and lawyers have worked together since the organization was founded nearly 30 years ago. And Colin was better than anyone. So there's a seamless connection and there's also an integrated service for the clients. And as you also mentioned, these are independent firms. Rates for clients are set by firms themselves. So in that sense, Alayla offers actually better value than perhaps large firms that have huge overhead costs. So I thought those were certain aspects that probably go in favor of Alayla in the overall scheme of things. So just coming back to your question, I think the challenging part of being president is just the travel that the president is expected to do. And particularly for me this year with the merger happening, and there's just so much going on at work and a fantastic year in terms of business. This has really been a lot of travel, but I've enjoyed every bit of it. And I will briefly speak about the three meetings. The first meeting was the Americas meeting for me as a first meeting as a president. This was hosted by a member firm, Voris. In Ohio, USA, yeah. They're also in Texas and some of the other cities. Great firm, uh, a legacy of more than 100 years. And it was interesting, actually, apart from the social, all these meetings have great content. And that's what I wanted to mention. Apart from just networking opportunities, a lot of these meetings offer great value in terms of best practices. So I'm always making notes about what I can do going back, implement things in my own firm. And Colin, I must tell you about this recent conversation I had with one of the member firms, I said, do you really have consultants or CEO? How do you go about implementing new ideas? They said, you know what I do? I come to these meetings, I steal ideas that other member firms are doing and then implement it in my firm. I thought that was a great takeaway for some of these meetings. So Voris was fantastic. Typically in these meetings, we have the local host firm invite their clients, invite some of the key partners to speak to us about new areas. And Voris actually had, interestingly, ventured into other businesses apart from law. So they actually had people come in and speak about those issues and how they've actually started making much more money from those businesses. So it's quite interesting. Something maybe some of the other bar councils may not permit, so it may not be an option available to, I don't know about Hong Kong, but definitely not in India. We will probably not be permitted to do 
other businesses as a law firm. And nor would we in Hong Kong as well. But it was interesting to see Voris do this and in that sense become an outlier. And that was very impressive. And again, I must say all the three meetings this year have had record turnouts. So we had perhaps the best ever participation for the uh, meeting in Columbus. Then the second meeting we had was the EMEA meeting, the uh, Europe, Middle East and Africa meeting that was in Milan. That was organized by GTN Partners, the Italian member firm. Again, a great meeting. The focus was a lot on sustainability. We had experts come in and speak about various topics of sustainability. Fantastic social program. Then the last meeting was the oh, one which... Let me interrupt you. You forgot sure. about a meeting. You did a side trip to Paris for the IBA. Absolutely. I was there because I was there for very, very important meetings and the Rugby World Cup final and others. But I, I did get away from the rugby and I did meet up with a French member and with yourself. And we did hold one of the best ever cocktail parties for Ali Law in an attempt to try to find new members on a rooftop provided by our illustrious French member, Ali Rion. I think I can say, speaking out of school, we were, we were way, way over the capacity on top of the roof, but that didn't bother the French anyway. And then you were there and we were all there. I think in the end of the day, we did quite well. So tell everyone, you are a real globetrotter. No, so actually now what happened was that, especially for the benefit of the listeners, we are now organizing an annual cocktail reception at one of the largest lawyers' conferences in the world, which is the International Bar Association Conference. We started last year in Miami, where we organized, again, a similar setting, Colin, rooftop, overlooking the waters. And mind you, you're competing at these conferences, you're competing with 100 other receptions that are all happening at the same time. So people are having to choose between 10 different receptions. And many said this was one of the best. And similarly for Paris, as you mentioned, great setting. People were loving the pictures with uh, Eiffel Tower at the backdrop. And what we do with these receptions is we try and invite potential Ally Law member firms to come. They get to meet existing member firms. But more importantly, they also get to see the value of being part of such a large organization. So we did that in Paris. That was Sorry. great. I, mean, I really enjoyed that. And of course, then you jetted over, you went to Italy, which had a great regional conference. And then we had the Asia Pacific regional meeting in Tokyo. And just one quick word about the European meeting. Again, Colin, the best ever meeting in terms of number of people. We had several young lawyers attend the meeting in Milan. Then, yes, last week was uh, Tokyo, our Asia Pacific meeting. And again, we had the best turnout for the region. Except for the member firm from Philippines, we had all other member firms represented. Your firm was very well represented by Alex and other colleagues. And uh, again, the topics uh, were on AI. Uh, we had something on mergers and acquisitions, compliance. And the most remarkable part of the meeting, Colin, is that we had 35 clients attend the meeting. So our host firm, Blakemore and Mitsui, actually brought in several of their clients to the meeting and that was great for meeting them for many of our member firms and then we all went in the evening to sing karaoke so how can we not do it while in tokyo so you can see recordings of that in our social media handles well i'm looking forward and i, I presume that everybody was impeccably well behaved unfortunately i was not there i wasn't able to be there but my firm was well represented by our managing partner alex Liu. 
you're very, very busy. You're doing Ali Law. You're the president. And I can tell you, I can tell our listeners, when I was president, it's not always that easy. There's lots of fires to put out. Having sure. to mediate and deal with other matters, never, it's never easy running a big organization. And at the same time, you've merged your firm into this new firm. You're expanding, you're growing, you're having more debt for more quality as well. And let's talk a little bit about India, because I remember when we held the annual general meeting in India, it was hosted by your firm. I attended. I dressed up as a Raj in our final dinner just to get part of the atmosphere. It's a fabulous country with cultures, religions, different languages, huge, huge democracy as well. And, and with the World Cup cricket being there, we have climate change. We have your well-known pres president, Modi, as well. Are you a global economic power that's going to challenge China and the USA? What a terrible question to ask you. <laughs> but let me probably just share some general statistical information also in response. So India has been one of the fastest growing economies in the world over the past few decades. And a lot of factors have contributed to this. Strong domestic consumption is one. Rising investment is another. Growing export sector. We are now a leading exporter of goods and services with exports of over $350 billion in the last financial year. What is attractive as far as India is concerned, it's a large and growing market, a relatively low cost of living, and a government that is really committed to improving the ease of doing business. And we're also now calling a, a leader uh, in a number of sectors, you know, information technology, pharmaceuticals, renewable energy. And then you are looking at what's the other game changer is a large and growing population with a median age of 29, a manufacturing sector, which is contributing nearly 15% to the GDP. We are talking about a vibrant startup ecosystem with over 100,000 startups. If you look at education, for example, a gross enrollment ratio for colleges in the 18 to 23 age group stands at 28, so which is also significant. So I think there's a lot of things going on which is actually favorable from an Indian investment standpoint. So that's what I wanted to mention. If I may just rattle out some more statistics, we are growing at a steady pace. We had a Chandrayaan 2 mission, which reached the moon and we became the first country to land a spacecraft on the Luna South Pole. And uh, our digital payment platform, the UPI, United Payment uh, Interface, crossed 5 billion transactions per month, which became the world's fastest growing payment system. And just give you one more item, the digital identity program has reached 1.3 billion users, making it the world's largest biometric identification system. So I think if you really look around, you will see a lot of optimism within the country, a lot of hope. So to going back to your question, we are, I think, most likely going to be one of the top, probably third largest economy by 2030. So very excited about that. That is fair. I've been to India not that recently, but just listening and seeing what's happening there it is quite amazing. The G20 summit was there in September and everyone was there. And so India is there on the map. Can India play a role in, in world politics? I think so. I, I think we have the ability to play such a role. We have strong economic growth. And India is also fairly large enough, Colin, to be able to stay independent and influence the conversation in the region, which is what I feel is what is going in favor of India. It, India is also, for example, its position on some of the geopolitical issues, its strategic location, all of these, I feel, add tremendous value to 
India's role as a G20, you know. Yeah, yeah I'm very optimistic for, for India. Ramesh, you do lots of other things, which I know. And there's one area which I do know a little bit about is the Advaya Charitable Foundation. You're heavily involved in that. To me, that's very, very important. The things we do outside the law, which we had to do to help those who may need more help. Can you tell everyone a little bit about that and, and how that's going at the moment? Sure. So essentially what this does is essentially supports charities and organizations that help children from underprivileged background to become lawyers. So essentially, we identify students, let's say from the high school level, start creating awareness about the legal profession. And then to the extent some of those students are inclined, we make sure that we provide funds for their law school admission, entrance, coaching examinations. Then once the ones who are selected, we help them through the law school fees and the entire process. Then we secure internships for them while they're students. So for that purpose, we enlist other law firms and companies that provide internships. And once they become lawyers, we facilitate their placement in law firms and companies. So it's an entire life cycle, so to speak, of creating awareness about the profession and then handholding them through the various stages of becoming a lawyer and eventually making sure and then use them as success stories to inspire other people and similarly continue the entire process and cycle all over again. So that's been keeping us busy and that's one area that we'd like to continue to focus. Now, with a merged firm, I think priorities are only going to expand. Wildlife is one of the key areas that we are looking at adding to our portfolio of socially conscious projects. So yeah, so a lot of these things are keeping us very busy and, and it's also kind of aligned with the focus within Ally Law to create more and more sustainable projects. And I think it's also to some extent the vested interest in this is that some of this is actually coming from clients. Clients are increasingly asking us about gen gender diversity, what's your contribution to various social projects. And I think those are really becoming factors that go into recruitment decisions in terms of potential candidates wanting to join your firm and potential clients wanting to hire you. So I think in a way that's a perfect combination of you wanting to do the right thing and the market also expecting you to do the right thing. That is very, very important. And I'm really glad to see with your new merger, all the things you're going to be doing. Of course, there's one thing I do want to do with you, and I have promised myself this, but I do want to go and watch the All the England Test Match with you when England next come to India. So we can sit down for many hours watching cricket in Delhi or Mumbai or the new Moji Stadium, which I think is magnificent, 100,000 people plus. That's something which I'm really looking forward to. Everything comes to a halt when there's a cricket match going on. No conference it's, calls. No conference calls as well. Ramesh, it's been a pleasure and honour chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining us on Law & More. Thank, Thank you, you, Colin. You enjoyed this conversation and uh, look forward to meeting you very soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Law More by Bose Cohen and Collins. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out our back catalogue and hear from some of the other guests who have featured since we launched in June of 2021. For more legal opinion, news and updates, visit BoseCohenCollins.com or you can find us on social media. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon on our next episode.